But let's say you recognize that you're in this relationship that isn't healthy. And so you recognize these turbulent moments. And so now you start to work on yourself. How do I show up? What is the pre-work that I can do? Um, And the narcissist partner spots it. They start to see that you are now becoming stepping into your own. You're now being mm. becoming independent. You are now taking ownership over how mm. you show up. I mean, you're, you're shaking your head. So. They don't like that. They don't want you to be strong. They don't want you to succeed. They don't want you to get away. And they sure as heck don't want you to be independent. Narcissism is about dominance, power, and control. So this idea that they want you to fly off and, and or achieve your potential, not so much because that's a threat to them. You will never be able to soar higher than the narcissist can, right? In fact, there's an old, um, an old children's fable. It's called the eagle and the wren. And the eagles obviously could fly much higher than all the other birds. And so they decide to have a big contest to see which bird could fly the highest. Well, the wren is a small bird. So the wren talked into the eagle's feathers. And then at the very top of the race, it went over the eagle. You would think like, go wren. But actually in the story that all the other birds like kind of kill the wren, they peck the wren to death. How dare you do this to the eagle, what? right? So it was like the fairy tales even mm. sort of enable the, the, I guess in this case, the eagle is the narcissist. But the narcissist sets up the game that nobody gets higher than them. So let's say you're with a narcissist who's killing it. Like they're doing great, right? They may actually be able to tolerate a partner getting up to a certain level, but never exceeding them. Right. So that's why some people say, no, there's this person and they're, yeah, they're narcissistic, but their partner's doing well. I'm like, are the, is a partner doing better? And they're like, no, but they're doing well. I said, it's not, it may be well compared to you, the sure as hell isn't better than the narcissist. So narcissistic people, when they sense, and in fact, when you even get out of a relationship with them, they will, and they see you getting happy, they'll ruin that happiness. They can't, the, to, the, to the narcissistic person, the only frame of reference is theirs. How dare you You go succeed and be happy? I'm going to wreck this for you. And so if you're in the relationship with them, and I think a lot of people are thrown by this in narcissistic relationships because early on, they'll be like, oh, that's cool. And I'm, that's like, they'll almost think that this new person's success will reflect well on them. Mm. But over time, if they sense that that person's success is going to eclipse theirs or things aren't going well for the narcissist and the person with them is actually doing better, the narcissist will shut that down. They will, and that, that right there, in a healthy relationship, both partners support the success of the other. That's how we know it's a healthy relationship. So it's not a person saying, they're getting successful. I better knock them few, down a few notches so they don't, they don't get uppity or they don't leave me, right? That's the insecurity. And there is that insecurity for narcissistic folks. Despite the power, the dominance, the control, which makes them look like a bully, they're actually also afraid of being abandoned and left behind because at the core of them is very, they're very fragile. So when we feel, when you feel that fragile and you're not in touch with that fragility, you're going to dominate. A person who's in touch with their fragility may say, gosh, my partner's really succeeding and I, I'm a little worried. Like, am I going to, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if I can keep pace or they're going to want to keep me around. And then that becomes a conversation saying, I'm so happy for you. And yet I'm having this, this sort of neurotic fear and a healthy partner would say, hey, uh, you know, this is us together and they'll, they'll be a soothing and then that other person will hear that and won't stay as much in that neurotic space and will actually, and then the, 
succeeding partner will say, hey, I see this potential in you. Like, let's use the success I'm having to uplift you. And then both boats rise. But that's only in a healthy relationship. In a narcissistic relationship, no. And I think people get thrown by the narcissist not being happy for them. And then I've seen a lot of people blame themselves saying, oh, what was I thinking telling them my good news when they weren't having a good day? I'm oh, saying, yeah. It's, it, you should, it's a relationship. You should always be able to share. You shouldn't have to think like, ooh, let me assess what kind of day they've had before I tell the fragile narcissist my good news so they don't go crying mm. and yelling and screaming. That's not a relationship. Mm. That's really toxic babysitting. <laughs> so if you're in this relationship then and you're starting to see all this and you try to put up boundaries, like, you know, look, don't let some, you know, this person's a narcissist, don't let them cross you. So you're starting to work on yourself. You're starting to put up these boundaries. You're starting to mm -hmm. try and gain more confidence. And you know that the narcissist is never going to like that, mm -hmm. to your point. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard you talk about they'll try and punish you. Yeah. So where is that? Fight? So A, I'd love to talk about the types of punishments mm -hmm. that people can recognize that behavior. Mm -hmm. And then B, so where is they're left to go? Mm -hmm. Like, are you able to still put up boundaries in a narcissistic relationship? Or is that always going to be met with a narcissist coming with a sledgehammer to try and break them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, boundaries are never going to work in a narcissistic relationship because when you set boundaries, you're exerting an equal amount of power. Mm -hmm. You're saying, we're not, we're not doing this. You're, saying, you're basically saying, I have power and worth in this relationship too. And there's no room for that in a narcissistic relationship. They're not going to hold space for someone exerting their own sense of self. So you don't get to have boundaries mm -hmm. in that relationship. So that's not even an option. How, there's a lot of different ways that narcissistic people punish people. They abandon people. They withhold from people. They uh, humiliate people. They embarrass people publicly. They, um, they find a little mistake someone makes. So let's say a person is um, succeeding. They're in a narcissistic relationship, but things are going well. But then one day something doesn't go well the thing you're building and there's a bad meeting or someone turns you down, the narcissist will say, ooh, well, someone was getting ahead of themselves. So they'll mock you and they'll passive-aggressively passive bait you. But it's all punitive, mm. you know, whether it's in your face, whether it's passive-aggressive or whether it's them withdrawing. And for some people, they'll say, oh, if I succeed, I'm going to lose my partner. To which I say, then what the hell kind of relationship is this? Does that come back to the fear then? It's like, you know, yeah. yes, it doesn't feel like a great relationship, but, you know, I assume narcissists very much will use like, well, you're going to be all alone. What are you going to do without me? Mm -hmm. I think I've told you in a past episode that I had an ex-boyfriend that said to me, no one's going to love you as much as yes. I love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they start to use that language mm -hmm. to press on the fear buttons right. that you have. Mm -hmm. So that the idea of fear at its most extreme is what we see in sort of coercive or coercively controlling relationships where everything is governed by fear. But I'd argue that fear is the heart of the narcissistic relationship, right? It's fear that they're going to leave you. It's fear that you're going to say the wrong thing. It's fear of their rage. It's uh, fear of saying the wrong thing. You're constantly afraid of doing or saying or being the wrong thing. So as a person is in a narcissistic relationship, they shrink. They shrink to something that can never offend or mm -hmm. get attention away from or bother the narcissistic person. And they also become quite isolated. So because there's a lot of shame now that you shrink, 
you don't even want people to see your shrunken self. So you withdraw and you lose that support. And that support is essential if you're going to ungaslight yourself. The only way to ungaslight yourself is to have people supporting the reality that you witness and see. So that the fear governs everything in a narcissistic relationship. But also, Lisa, there's societal fears. People are afraid of being single. People are afraid of being alone. People are afraid they're getting older if they want children. They can't have children. Um, th- these kinds of these kinds of fears that might even be independent of the narcissistic relationship, but yet the person stays in it because they might say, well, this person does make money and, mm-hmm. and like there's these, these, these sort of those societal check boxes like successful or attractive or whatever they may be. And I want to say the check boxes need to be respect, compassion, mm-hmm. kindness, safety, new check boxes, new checklist. But it's that idea too of how people will pathologize people for leaving what looks at least on paper like a good relationship and then the fear people have of am I going to always live alone am I going to grow old alone to which my response is usually I don't think you're going to grow old alone but alone is better than this Mm. at least you can cultivate friendships and go on a vacation without being screamed at and purchase non-generic food without being yelled at whatever it is that's getting the narcissist's goat like you can do these things without constantly living in fear but lisa i gotta be frank with you because i work with people of all ages from as young as like late teens all the way to their 70s and 80s and as people get older that does become a fear they'll say it's hard to date when you're in your 60s or 70s and People say it's, it, it feels more unsettling to be alone when I'm older, but there's a real tragedy in the sense of, I said, you're nuts if you think this narcissistic person's going to take care of you as you get older and more infirm. And in fact, the heartbreak for some people is they endure years, decades of a toxic, abusive, fear-inducing, narcissistic relationship. Well, at least I won't be old alone when I'm old. They do get sick, break a hip, whatever, and they're older. That narcissist doesn't want to take care of them. And after all those years, they recognize they actually were alone all along. Wow. So I know I'm telling you this story on the back end, and we're talking about first dates. But I got to tell you, folks, that first date, as nuts as what I'm going to say is going to sound, you're 28, you're a beautiful young thing, the world is your oyster. Someday someone else may be wiping your ass. You better be sure that they're up to the job. It never dawned on me. It never dawned on me that you're hoping because you don't want to feel alone. So you think that you're um, acting um, to protect yourself. And then when you get there, it never dawned on me Mm -hmm. that there's no way they're even going to be there to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So that was so freaking fun. Um, Okay, there was so much there. I really want to touch on when you were saying about how you shrink when a narcissist Mm -hmm. is really trying to pull you down. In those moments of shrinking... I would assume things like your self-esteem, how you f- see yourself, all go down with it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think of yourself very highly. Um, maybe the your view on the world changes. Maybe your own um, morals may change. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what words to use there. Um, and I've seen people who have done that and it leads to them now not acting in accordance with who they want to be. Mm-hmm. So they basically sink 
to the narcissist level mm -hmm. because they're getting hurt. The narcissist is throwing words at them. It hurts. It stings. Over time, they shrink lower and lower. Mm -hmm. They feel worse about themselves. And now they're in a position where in those moments where the narcissist is making them feel very, very small, the only defense mechanism they have is to um, throw hate back at them, to throw words at them that maybe the narcissist has used to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That also breaks my heart because now you're becoming a person yeah. that you don't want to right, be. Right. Mm -hmm. How do we prevent that? Or, uh, not or, but and, if you find yourself doing that, how do you get yourself back out so that you don't see yourself as being a cruel person, a right. mean person? So anyone who's tuning in today can actually circumvent all of that. I'm going to tell you what I tell people on my YouTube all the time, people I work with all that, which is don't go deep. What do I mean by don't go deep? And I've said that here on, mm -hmm. on Women of Impact before. Don't defend, don't engage, don't explain, and don't personalize. The don't engage is a big piece, okay? You're going to shout back. You're going to attack back because you still think there's hope here. If you've ended all hope, then you're not going to engage with the person, right? So I am not going to start having an argument with somebody I don't know. There's no, there's no point. I don't know this person. There's no stakes. But the, the getting into it with the narcissistic person, using their language against them, they're not listening to you. If I can only reiterate something, they are not listening to you. They don't care what you have to say. They don't view you as a separate human being with separate needs and wants. They don't care. So that can help you hold back from the edge of no matter what I say to this person, it doesn't matter. So I'm just not going to say anything. Mm -hmm. And you can, because I agree with you, what some happens for some people is after spending enough time in the abyss, they, after peering into the abyss, they fall into the abyss, mm -hmm. right? They, they become the monster. Yeah. And that is not unusual because you're engaging with this, this, this difficult, cruel person so much. And then, then it does really feel like the narcissistic person's winning. But in a way, what we do is we acculturate to our circumstances, right? So if I moved to another country right now, I would start learning the language. I would dress the same way. I'd learn their food and their mm -hmm. customs, right? I'd acculturate. Yeah. Now, it's healthy acculturation, right? But there can be unhealthy acculturation. So you may move to a place where actually you're having to become a lot more, I don't know, defensive or have to live in a way that's much more edgy because it's not as safe. And then you try to bring that back to your life that was saving people. Like, what are you doing? You know, and it's the same thing in a narcissistic relationship. You acculturate and you acclimatize and you assimilate to the culture of the narcissist and you become something you don't like. So how do you start recognizing that behavior because it becomes a pattern, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, especially if you've been with someone for a while, it's become so habitual, you're just used to it, you're mm -hmm. now lashing back out at them. Right. Um, I assume the more you start to act like that, the more it will become a part of you or like it'll be harder to kind of maybe pivot. Oh. It, it may be. I, I don't know that if it's not inherently your nature, then maybe not as much. Mm. I guess the piece we always have to go back to is the radical acceptance piece. Mm they're not going to change. So nothing you do. So if I scream at the sun and say, son, I'd much prefer a few rows in the West. I'd love that morning sun on my face. My morning, <laughs> my bedroom window faces West. And so I'd love to wake up to the sun. 
scream at the sun, tell the sun to go F off. Sun's not going to start rising in the West. Same thing with a narcissistic person. There's nothing you're going to say to them that's going to change it. And I think that if a person's really getting into it with them, there must be some belief that things can be different. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you things can't be different. Mm -hmm. This is it. And part of it is understanding what it is. I will tell you this, though, Lisa, for a lot of people, most people, not all, but most, once they get out of the primary toxic or narcissistic antagonistic relationship, they start popping back to not being so combative, mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? They come back to themselves right. if that's not who they were in the first place. And frankly, the vast majority of people and narcissistic people aren't yelling and screaming. They're becoming smaller and smaller and shrinking and silenced, not getting into it with them and not getting, you know, not screaming and yelling. It's just not so the, the norm. Opposite it's quite different. Happens. Yeah. And most people get quite silenced. Yeah. yeah.